Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. I'm Tony Haggerty at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle. You all know that. And I'm joined today by uh, Sean Martin. I'll give him his Twitter handle. I get my name there, did you? Sean Martin, TCW. Indeed, still basking in the afterglow. Sean, I fixed the lights a wee bit better today. Uh, I think, but there you go. Yeah, he's still basking in the afterglow. Pete G, I think we all are. The old skin graft can get the smile off your face type thing, Sean. Indeed, as I say, it's Tuesday, February 28th. Hope you're having a terrific Tuesday. We'll get to the League Cup final aftermath again in a second. But first and foremost, I urge you to subscribe to the Celtic Way and support top quality football journalism covering the club you love. And it'll cost you £2 for two months. All for a click of a button, guys. You know the score www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe that's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe we thank everybody who's done that already love the community we've got here want to keep expanding it and building it and we also say thank you to Seneca and the Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group and Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments and you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. Sean, the fallout continues. Certainly does, yeah. If you're a Celtic supporter, you're cock-a-hoop. If you're a Rangers supporter, life isn't so good at the time being. But hey, we can't concern ourselves with that. If you're a Celtic supporter, you are just happy. And something that would have delighted you last night even more was Ange Postacoglu, who spoke to the newspapers on Sunday. Uh, they took him aside after he'd spoken to the broadcast and they printed, the, obviously, the, what they got from him. And I have to say, Sean, it's quite an excellent interview. He, he speaks uh, mm-hmm. about his future and he speaks about his future. And you'd be very positive about that, being a Celtic supporter and woke up and you've read stuff online and you know, you'd have been delighted by his comments. I, I mean, just, just for anybody that's not read it, because uh, it wasn't the written press over here, there have been half ten last night that came out. You might have seen it elsewhere, but certainly it was, uh, I Tony's right, it was written press that, that were talking to him after the game. He said, uh, roughly, this is what he said, when people say he's going to go down the road or somewhere else with the first offer he gets, it's not how I'm wired, it's not how I think. Um, and then he went on to say, for me, what it's about is just trying to leave a mark wherever I am. I've done that with every football club I've been at. I want to do it at this football club and that is all that consumes me. I don't think about the next step or I need to go somewhere else or I need to do this or I need to consider other things. You don't go through life oblivious to it, by which he means the, the, the yeah. kind of reports like them elsewhere. He says it's not healthy to put the blinkers up and not know what's going on because that tests your desire to keep doing what you're doing. If people are talking about my future or are interested in my future, I will sit there and listen. But it doesn't mean I'm going to jump at anything that comes my way. I'm really passionate about what I do and the people close to me know what is most important to me, what drives me and what keeps me sort of happy in my role. And he ends it by saying I couldn't be happier, Tony. Yeah, and I also like this one. He says, I'm going into my third year and I'll keep doing what I'm doing and not worry about what others see because I tell you what, first thing that will be said and it will be one of you journals that will be the first to do it. I'm not ambitious enough because I'm not moving on. (laughs) I think he covered every base there, Sean, did he not? He did, I. In terms of his future, I think the subtext of that is 
he's here for as long as Celtic want him to be here and he's happy to be here. And there was people using words like dynasty and all that, Sean, mm -hmm. um, quoted stuff like that. But I think we get the gist that he enjoys it. And we've spoken about this before because we spoke to Stevie Blair, his best mate, and we said the only person that will decide when he leaves is Ange Postacoglu. Yeah, um, I don't disagree with that. I think uh, the, the last wee bit of subtext there, although it probably wasn't subtext, subtext it was just text, um, <laughs> was uh, careful what you print come summertime, I think is probably <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, I think overall, and the comments are suggesting this as well, I think it'll be music to the ears of the Celtic support. I, yeah. um, beyond him saying that he's just put his signature to a new contract, it's about as much as you could hope for, I think, Tony. Um Aye, I think I think I'm getting that sense from the comments that that it's uh, that it's a positive positive I thing. I think that's yeah. the yeah, that's the verbal equivalent of you know a signed contract, but he just doesn't work like that, and he when he won't commit himself to you know long term deals because he just he's just happy. He doesn't see the need to, and uh, I mean I think that's quite unequivocal, isn't it? <laughs> and he's and I, and I, I agree with you completely, Sean. It's like. Be careful what you link me with in the summer. <laughs> I've just told you there, that kind of thing, you know. Blind uh, uh, about saying, love that, Tony, and it's so true. Um, and I have to say, I thought that interview and the stuff that the, the written media got out of him was quite superb, you know. So you have to you have to say that, you know, they, they get a hard time, and I'm part of that written media as well. And uh, we do this too, so I have to pick up them and say that the excellent quotes that they got there and uh, yeah you have to sort of applaud that and, and well done Ange also for answering those questions immediately after uh, you know the glory of winning the cup uh, he could have chosen to duck the, the issues and swerve it but he didn't so again another reason why people just love this manager isn't it Sean that he, he is uh, you know uh, when you talk about things that he's interested in and he's clearly interested in his future and what, what he plans to do then he, you know good on him for opening up about that so yeah 1888 CFC saying not going anywhere soon I, I think that's uh, that's what I took unequivocally from that Sean because I think he said at one point you'll be surprised at how long I'm here didn't he? he said well Lanky 67's coming in just firing straight through it, Tony saying they just give him a five-year contract because he's starting to build a team for European competition. Uh, yeah. Derek's got a question for you, although it's also kind of a question for me. He says, does his comments reopen the debate about tying him into a long-term contract for security, as Sean says regularly? <laughs> <laughs> well, is it you say, Sean, security is what? Underrated, yep. Uh, usually I'm using that for um, for players. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it is true. I suppose we are supposed to call glue as well, but would would do you think it reopens that, or is it more just take them at face value, take those comments as, as what he said, when he said it? Don't worry think, about it just now, that kind of thing. I think you have to take him at face value. He's given no indication that he wants to go anywhere else, has he? Mm -hmm. And I think the security part is that Celtic don't want stung where he leaves for. You know, I think when, Celt when Brendan Rodgers left, they get something like nine million quid mm -hmm. in compensation. It was one of the highest managerial payouts at the time, wasn't it? For a a manager and the backroom staff. So I think, I think, let's put it this way, I think if that was the case, I think Anne's being a man of his word, he'd probably sign a contract so that Celtic would get the due recompense, you know. So mm, uh, I, I think, yeah, but I, I take him at his word on that, you know. So, mm -hmm. and I think he would 
protect the best interests of Celtic Football Club, which he has from day one, and he said what and he said he would do that, and he's protected the players as well. He's fought for the players, he's fought for the supporters, and he he, he said he would do that. So I don't think he would do anything mm. that would be detrimental to Celtic Football Club, even if he um, was to leave at some point in the future. Which which he will, I I, I theoretically I, I think the reality can it, I think we can get kind of caught up in the in the moment as well. The reality is that he has left clubs before, um, yeah. and at conceivably in, in opportune times as well. Um, thinking midway through a season with Yokohama F Marinos to come here, obviously the the, the biggest, the, the most recent one. He left Brisbane Road a couple of days after their grand final win with two games left in the, the Champions League. Um, although I think they were out at that point. Um, he left Melbourne Victory after three games of a season for the Australia role. Of course, then left the Socceroos a week after qualifying for the World Cup, although that one was ultimately a point of principle and not another job. So yeah. my point is, I think we can get kind of caught up in the almost the cult of personality with that. He is an ambitious man. He might very well do it to Celtic the way that he's done it to other places. Um, ultimately, that was kind of my point that Derek's kind of referring to is not necessarily yeah. that Ange needs to be tied down for 10, 15 years but that the structure behind him's got to be there so that whenever he goes, whatever the circumstances, no matter yeah. where it is he's going, that it continues in, in, in a similar vein. Because I think he's a great guy to have built your philosophy around. Yeah. I think they've, cho- they've, they've chosen, whether you think they've chosen or they've, they've lucked into Ange Postacoglu, uh, they've got an absolute belter there to build it around. So I think, I think, I think yeah. he's right. Sorry, I think he's right in terms of that quote earlier on, that it doesn't go through life oblivious to what else is going on. For now... Celtic is by far and away the biggest and most pressurised job he's had and arguably that he's ever likely to have. So he won't ignore that, I don't think, when his name is getting thrown around in reports with, frankly, what tends to be no mark clubs with just a wee bit more money down south, put it that way. So I choose to see those comments as really quite positive ones, but I do think there sometimes needs to be a wee bit more of reality in terms of what has yeah. led here to begin with. We've spoken about that before and that kind of legacy and we want it to continue, Sean, in a kind of Liverpool boot room, 70s, 80s style, that whoever comes in, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of runs itself. So, And I think that's important to, to Ange as well, that he wants to build a legacy here and also when he passes that baton on, that it, you know, that it, that it does function and it doesn't just be ripped asunder. You know, you can't have that. And we've spoken about the importance of that. And I genuinely think, and I will take him at face value, and yeah, you can get caught up in the moment, but I accept that nothing lasts forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and for Ange to stay, just say, five, six years, he has to continue to be successful, doesn't he? So, and he knows that himself. And he's not oblivious to that. He's just mm-hmm. he's just a very astute and clever man and, and knows what to do. And yeah, and I know he's left people, uh, clubs and the international job but possibly in opportune times but I don't know and again you're only going to what he says but I think he genuinely loves it at Celtic and this is what he's craved mm-hmm. you know all it ticks every box for him as you see he want he said the other day didn't he, before the cup final that he, he wanted something where the, the fans were as passionate as and ambitious as him and he's got that at Celtic so he might well be here for the long haul, as people see it, but I just think you've got to live in the moment as well and enjoy the moment. He's here for how long he's here for. I mean, that's 
that's all you can. As long as the club is not thinking that, to be honest, I mean, it's fine for fans to be living in the moment. As long as the club isn't thinking yes. that, here as long as he's here and we'll deal with it later. You need to deal with it while he's still there. Is my point. Uh, yeah. That's about mentioning the, the thing that you mentioned there uh, that he said they want to be somewhere where football meant everything to the people and get a crack at Europe. That's Celtic. I agree, and that's kind of where I'm coming from when I'm saying that, despite all of the the, the the kind of examples I gave, Celtic's by far and away the biggest and most pressurised yeah. he's had. And I could, I, I genuinely think it's probably the one that he's ever, the, the biggest and most pressurised he's ever likely to have, unless some turn of events ends up with him down at the likes of Liverpool or something sure, like that. Sure. There's only, there's only, and I'm sorry, I'm going to put this up um, from Simon Thomas, which kind of encapsulates what I'm saying. Uh, Ange leaves clubs for a greater opportunity. Not many clubs are a greater opportunity than Celtic. Yeah, and I, I've said before, and I'll say it again, that what's one of the biggest challenges in football right now, arguably the biggest challenge, turning Celtic into a force in Europe again. I think he genuinely wants to do that. He wants another crack at the Champions League and also to see... If, if Celtic can't progress in the Champions League, see where they can go in the Europa League. I I believe that Ange thinks that Celtic can conceivably win a European trophy, and that trophy probably be the Europa League. Could be wrong in that assumption, but I think he wants Celtic to be a big name on the European stage again, and he wants to be the man to lead them there. And, and if you're consumed by that, as he says, then he won't stop until he does it. And I think that what well, I think that is one of football's greatest challenges. And he said he loves a challenge. Turn Celtic into a force on the European stage again. Dominating domestically, great. Celtic fans love it. But there is a bigger and wider picture here. And I think it always has been for him. The opportunity to come to a club like Celtic. What are Celtic renowned for? What's the most famous thing? And he referenced it a few times. He referenced it in the League Cup final speech the last time. You're standing on the shoulders of the guys that have achieved winning the greatest prize ever, go and make your own history. Somebody asked him about Rangers getting to the Europa League. He said, there's a European trophy up the road that I can show you. He's always thinking, I want to take Celtic to that level. I want to be in there at that level. Call it ambitious, call it lofty, call it what you like, but it ain't going to stop him. He's determined to do it. And I think everything, all the boxes have been ticked for him in that sense. And I agree with you. Don't just let it ride out and you have to deal with it. If this if this is the extent of Ange Postacoglu's ambitions, you have to back that. You have to say, okay, we trust you because there's nothing that he has done so far that leads you to think that he can't do it. No, I agree. And, and this is where, this is where the, again, I'm not going to repeat myself again about this. This is probably the most pressurised and, and biggest job he's ever going to get. But, it is, and there's plenty of comments saying it. It's the Europe factor for Celtic. Uh, what you're looking there is not whether it's winning a trophy, whether it's competing, whether it's getting to the latter stages of the Champions League. He's he said it before, and there's a great comment here from uh, Andrew Galea saying Ange gave an example of Club Bruges. It takes consecutive efforts. You don't say an example at Club Bruges and, and consecutive efforts if your if your mind's thinking, well, I'll probably not be here for the third effort. That kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, take all that on board. And I think when, when Derek's question that kind of prompted all this, um, when he was saying about the security thing, I remember writing at the end of last season about his one-year rolling contract. It was basically after the Dermot Desmond thing. I've said this before on here as well, about Dermot Desmond saying like the, the, the manager's the chairman of the board when it comes to the football matters and all that kind of stuff. 
And I was saying, well, that sounds as if he's almost like an NBA-style head coach and general manager rolled into one, that kind of stuff. Um, and if you're going to do it that way, where he's going to have so much say, then I think the club's got to be proactive in ensuring that it's not just a one-year rolling contract, that he's there at Parkhead for the longer term. And that might be on a one-year rolling contract, but doing things like you said, like meeting certain ambitions that he's wanting window by window and season by season, because then it, ultimately it doesn't matter if it's a rolling deal because he's happy. Um, that's the way, that's the situation the club finds themselves in at the moment. Um, so this is why I hope that they're not thinking, though, this is just it. I think they should be continuing the, the structure behind the scenes. That, that's just, that's always the worry with yeah. it. There's, there's a wonderful clip from years ago of Jock Steen saying when he came back, he was assured he would get total control of the football side. And he got total control. He, he, says, that, uh, he says something like, I wasn't going to come back if total control, total control didn't mean total control. Uh-huh. And he said he got that and he, and he was happy. And then he, which I think the same interview says, which led him to say, I like working here because I like the people uh-huh. that are here. You know? And I think that's kind of similar to... You know, you substitute. I, I think Martin O'Neill was afforded that, and I think Brendan Rodgers was afforded that, and I now think Ange Postecoglou has been afforded that total control on the football side. And when you're working in tandem with people who, because he references Michael Nicholson in the background team a lot, and saying that uh, you know they've helped me, they've assisted me, they've given me everything I've wanted so far. I, I think that you, you, I think everybody implicitly trusts this manager to take total control. Of the mm-hmm. football side, because as I say, he's he's really put a foot wrong on the football side since he came in, hasn't he? And mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's the way he does it. And maybe longer term contracts have been uh, put under his nose, and he's probably said, "Look, that's not the way I work." He, he constantly says that, doesn't he? It's not, you know, it's not something that uh, that part of life doesn't consume him. It's the football mm-hmm. side. And I think he feels that he's handsomely rewarded and if he's happy, he's happy. But like you, the whole contract thing, yep, I, I want I want the other people to deal with it and you know and, and just say to him, you know, in terms of security, fine. If it doesn't happen, so be it. But it doesn't worry me that he's just gonna up sticks and leave. Huh. I just think he is a man of integrity, he's a man of honesty, and I don't think he would tell lies. Let's be honest. I've never thought when he says that's not the way that he works that he ever meant he only wants like a one-year rolling contract because he had three-year deals before. No, I know. And stuff. I just took it to mean that, like you said there, it's not the forefront of his mind to think, no. right, where's my next contract, where's my next bonus, yeah. all that kind of stuff, that he is more about the football. And I think that shines through in the things that he talks about because he talk, when he's talking about, put it this way, when he's talking about football, you can see the kind of, you can see it in him. Compared to when he's asked about other things like reports yes. and speculation and contracts yes. and all that kind of thing, you can hear the way that he answers it that the football is his, his primary focus, and I think that, that's that's a good thing. There's another aspect to this, another conversation with, with, with a pal of mine last week, I think, and he, he suggested this or he, he, he posited this. And um, Brent, um, Ange Postecoglou referenced the likes of uh, his predecessors like Brendan Rodgers, Neil, yeah. Neil, the other day, Gordon Stratton. Um, now, Brendan Rodgers is, is probably the one that, I mean, you yourself referenced his, his departure there. Um, but my pals kind of, when we were debating it, he, he suggested, is there anything in maybe Ange looking back and thinking, well, 
when Brendan Rodgers signed his long-term deal, that's when some of the power went out of his uh, went out of him and it onto the board, and the board went a wee bit more austerity focused in a way. Um, and is there something in that in terms of Ange Postecoglou might not want to hand that that almost that power that he's got by being on a one-year rolling contract over? I, I think there's quite a lot in that. I, I, I really do think that these are things that don't bother him. Mm. <laughs> when it comes to getting round the table, it's probably a necessary evil for him because he's just like, hey, whatever, you know, because he's, he's still gainfully employed. And he always he always sort of sees himself, I'm here for as long as they want me, type thing, doesn't he? Without mm. putting any kind of number of years on it. And then couches that with saying, but I know I have to be successful. I, I just think that he genuinely isn't too perturbed about that. As long as he's got total control over the football side of it, then so be it. Yeah. And there might be merit in that, Sean, about signing a deal that then says, you know, austerity measures. But I don't think anybody at the club has... Don't get me wrong, Lee. Intimated that or intimated that too. I don't think it would, though, because I don't think that they know what the response would be if that word was used. But um, I think, to be fair to my pal, when he mentioned that, initially I went, nah, nah. But then the more I thought about it, it, although it's almost, it almost works both ways, it's like a subcontractor, right? It's yeah. like a subcontractor where a one-year rolling contract, you can essentially be told, right, that's you. And likewise, you can say, right, that's me. Whereas the long-term kind of full-time permanent role, if you want to put it that way, keep likening it to the to, to the workplace, means that there's security from your point of view, but also that if, if things don't work out, then maybe if someone wants to poach you, you've got to pay, all that kind of stuff that happened with Rogers. But because it's football on the flip side, especially when it comes to the transfer market, if Ange Postecoglou is as beloved as he is just now and is continuing to be successful, but he's also liable to walk away if, if, if he feels like he's not getting backed. He can do that on a one-year rolling contract, yeah. but if he's tied into five years, then perhaps some of his bargaining power as a as a personality within the club might be diminished, actually, even though he's got that security. So I wondered if there... I wonder... I wanted to put that to you if, if maybe, maybe there is a point in that that as the last few transfer windows have gone, the one-year rolling contract might have been an influence in that because they know how popular Ange Postecoglou is. They know that everybody's all in on him. So, aye, I just thought if, um, when my pal said that, I actually came around to thinking, well, maybe maybe there is something in that. Maybe, because when Brendan Rodgers did sign that deal, it, it did kind of change. It did, it did have actually less power, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, but I think uh, when Brendan Rodgers signed that, then... I think he was he was made aware that guys like Schwedt had come in, and I think he gave that interview, didn't he? We didn't even know that Schwedt came in. Yeah, and so I think if stuff like that happens, then the writing's on the wall anyway for any manager, isn't it? Hmm. The thing is, to be fair, but from what from what I can gauge of Angie's character, and, and this happens with the Australia role as well. You mean you qualify for the World Cup, and to walk away in a point of principle takes a lot of cojones, yeah. if you want to put it that way. Yeah. Um, so I, whether he was in a long-term deal or not, I think if things started taking that turn, I think he would just wrap it up and just forego any compensation anyway because it just wouldn't of be fair. Um, which is similar, a similar kind of gauge of character I get when I was talking about the Asia Cup next year <laughs> when Celtic would be well within their rights to um, to ask for a postponement if, if all these players yeah. are away at the Asia Cup. And part of me just thinks he would go, well, no, because I've got X, Y and Z that haven't been getting much game time. It's a chance for them to come in and... And short, like, I think it's the same type of character. 
I also think he's mindful of the way Brendan Rodgers left the football club. Mm-hmm. I just think he would, he just wouldn't want that for himself. I really, I really do. You, you look at the buy-in that he's had, not only from the players but the supporters. There is an absolute love in now with Hans Postecoglou. He's, he's told him himself of those. He's not oblivious to anything, is he? He, he knows he knows how they feel about him. He's he, he's in a wonderful position. And that's that's quite a I've said this before and I use this word I think that's a, quite a powerful drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms Beach of Boys can, sorry, sorry you go finish no, it. No. Uh, I was just gonna say Beach Boy's saying um he's keeping the board on their toes with a rolling contract is what I'm saying. Uh the board would be crazy to upset him these days, it keeps everyone focused. Yeah, you know, and I, I just think Celtic ticks a lot of his boxes in terms of what he wants uh, from his football management career. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, 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 he's with a club whose supporter is fanatical and is passionate about their team as he is. And they're as ambitious as he is because everybody who's a Celtic supporter wants to see Celtic back at that top table, not just in the Champions League, but winning games, competing. And this is a man who's saying, stick with me now. I'll try and take you there. I mean, why wouldn't you jump on board with that? And he seems to love everything about his new surroundings and just loves the fact that uh, he loves the people that he's working with. He loves the players. Even Jota, who said there's exciting times ahead. So Uh he's clearly said to the players, you know, you might get more money elsewhere, but stick around. You know, it's worth sticking around for. And I'm not saying that all of those players will stick around. Jack Amakis has left, Juranovic has left, but, you know, when you hear players talking like that too, I've said before, that's not them talking, that's the manager talking, isn't it? You know, it's exciting times ahead for Celtic. Nobody knows what lies ahead for Celtic, but when players are talking about they're excited, then why are they excited? They're excited to be working with this man because he's clearly got ambitions and they're high and uh, I we spoke before, it's clearly Europe and I just think that that's one, if not the greatest challenge in football right now turning Celtic into a European force again, not just for one year but over a period of time and I think Ange feels confident in his ability to do that hence that you might be surprised the number of years I'm here Um, Brown Warrior comes in saying neither holds the aces with a rolling contract uh, Stratton's laptop, Europe will be a big itch for Ange now. Philip Alloway saying Ange is a realist, he knows he has job security as long as he performs. And he's confident in his own ability to perform. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. I, I, Speaking of confidence in your own ability to perform, Tony, mm-hmm. uh, Stuart Ross has put a, yes. a, an interesting article on the website this morning. He's uh, he submitted one, uh, breaking down just how influential Rayo Hatati was um, against Rangers at Hamden, not only involved his involvement in the two goals, but other periods of the game as well. The main thrust of it, I suppose, message with the eye test in that the Rangers midfield just couldn't cope with Celtic's trio, but in particular, Rayo Hatati seemed to pose them... Um, yeah a particularly difficult problem that they couldn't quite get their hands on? Well, it was evident when Hatati and Moy left the field, wasn't it? Hmm. Celtic kind of lost their way a wee bit in, in midfield. We, we kind of spoke about that, didn't we? But I watched the game back last night because it was replayed on the via play of the free channel. Mm-hmm. And having watched it, <laughs> when you know the outcome, 
I didn't get that sense of Rangers Cup coming roaring back into it that I did re-watching it again that I did when I was actually there. Because mm-hmm. I looked at you at one point and I went, Celtic are second best and have been for the last 20-odd minutes. And I watched that again last night and actually thought, oh, no, they weren't really. They they just they fell out it for that, you know, a spell of it. I think Callum McGregor said 10 to 12 minutes. I'll, I'll give Aye. him roughly. And then came straight back into it and could have won more conventionally by the end. So, uh, yeah, uh, Stuart Ross's article is, is worth reading. But when you're, it just shows you how you're kind of, the way you're watching it can be skewed, can't it? I, I mean, especially when you're there, you, you, it's the same. I liken it to a boxing match sometimes. Um, you're occasionally swayed by the response of the crowd to yeah. things when it's not necessarily the reality of what's happening yeah. on the park sometimes. Same as when you're at a boxing, I don't know if you've ever been to a boxing fight, when you're at a boxing yeah, fight, yeah. especially a bigger one. The reason a lot of times home fighters get a kind of, sometimes get the, the nod for a controversial decision, I think, is the influence of a crowd. Because sometimes, even if even if, even if if they're throwing a combination, only one of five punches hits, it's as if all five have hit sometimes. Yes. When, when you hear the crowd's response to it, they start getting up, you start feeling it in the atmosphere, in the air. And things, but the referee that sorry the well the referee's job as well, but the the scorers um, the ju- the judges' job is to kind of see what's actually there um, and what's actually happening. We, as much as anybody can can be can be taken in by what's happening around about us, but obviously we try and look at what's actually happening on the pitch. But that's why it's good in the aftermath of these things to have things like the data around up to have things mm-hmm. like um, like Stuart breaking down an individual performance like that, and even to have the likes of your own reaction piece, which when you've travelled home and you've had the, the kind of cold light of day to think about it, is obviously more considered than it would be if you were writing it while the game was going on and, and things yeah. like that. So they like to try and cover all bases, but it, it, it does influence it. It does influence it when you... Yeah. When you and I, as I say, so so my, my addendum to that is that, yeah, Rangers came into it, but I don't think they had total control at any stage for any great length of time unlike Celtic, who were in control in the first half and for very much large parts of the second half and then finished the stronger. Uh, somebody coming in, I think it was Les D, I think, coming in there. Les D, 16. Watched it again, too. too. Never felt any point, even on the day that was up to doubt. We were in control even when they had the light for the yeah. And I think maybe that's what I was, I thought, my, they, they had a flurry and... You know, because I, I heard people and I was reading things saying, what well, could have gone to extra time? And I was mm. like, mm, I don't think so. That was in my head. I didn't really think so. And then I watched it again last night to think, was it close to going to extra time? No, we're near close to going to extra time. No. Nah. As my, my dad would say, Rangers are a colour oohs and ahs. I think Celtic had more than oohs and ahs by the end of it. Yeah. Know? I mean, we said yesterday they could have scored a couple near the end, but even beyond yeah. that, and I said this yesterday as well, the two goals that Celtic scored stood in stark contrast, and I know they all count the same. There was three goals that hit the back of the net, and that's, that's what matters, but the two goals that Celtic scored were very Celtic goals. The passing, the moving, yeah. uh, the amount of players that were involved in it, uh, the, where the, even where the shot was eventually taken from, close central areas, that's the ideal. That's for, so for them to have done that twice in a cup final, we'll have pleased Ange Postecoglou no end. Well, I... Contrast that with Rangers' goal, which was quite scrappy and their only shot on target. Um so two one, as I said yesterday, it says it was a close game in the scoreline, but the reality to me, being there yeah. and looking at the data after it was 
that Celtic were the better team for all apart from about 12 to 15 minutes. And if you saw Andy's reaction to the second goal, he was delighted with that goal. A really good football goal. You know, mm-hmm. One star felt intercepts that pass. It's a wonderful uh, exchange of passes uh, involving Moy and Hatati and then Kyogo to finish it off. Uh, it's a cracking goal, but they, they cut to Ange and he was absolutely delighted. He was, you know, he was beaming ear to ear because that's a that's a Celtic goal. If you, if you, uh, that's his. I hate this phrase Ange ball goal, but it, it was a kind of Ange ball that? goal, right? If you want to use that phrase, but I'm not a lover of it. But it was because they picked it up. Starfield read that pass from Tavernier to Kent really quickly, shunted it on to. Footballs, but by no, no, but skills are nice. It was a neat pass that he played in, and then from there it's bang, 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 and three passes or four passes later it's in the net, and that's exactly the way he wants his players to play that high press, high tempo, but quick and clinical when that comes across. And that, and you're right, and, and I listed all the chances yesterday. I think Celtic had about eight efforts, wasn't it? I think maybe nine, uh, and so the result wasn't in any doubt. It's just when people say to you, you, or when you're there, you, you can think that it is skewed a wee bit. But nah, I think uh, Celtic were worthy winners. And if it finishes 3 or 4 1, you're not going to complain, are you? No. no. But it, it did finish 2 1, Tony, which um, which meant that taking up the mantle from, from Kevin's uh, thing last week, uh, yes. I, I, I went back and counted them all up. And uh, that was depends how you count it. And I've, I've written, and well, if you've got the newsletter subscription, which is free, you'll have got this last night, but it's up on the website today. And I've put the link into it there. Um, and major cup finals that Celtic now at 200 goals, which obviously no Scottish team has done. Um, I can't quite find the records for a lot of like the likes of Al Ackley, National, historically really successful clubs to find the run, all the runners-up ones as well, whether they're in finals. So I don't know if any of them have done it, but certainly no Scottish clubs done it. Rangers managed 182, um, which is obviously nowhere near Celtic's uh, 200. But um, I've kind of dived into that a wee bit. I've kind of dived into that a wee bit, broke it down um, into the constituent competitions, addressed any caveats, which there are a couple, because there's got, for instance, the 1909 Scottish Cup final, Tony. What the um, hell? Yeah, when it was Celtic v Rangers. Went to a replay, they drew both games and then the trophy was withheld from either team because uh, of crowd trouble. Now, I've counted those goals because although the trophy was withheld, the games haven't been expunged from the record as far as I could see, so the goals still count towards the totals. Um, if you count, and Ke- I know Kevin counts this, I don't know if you can count it, the Intercontinental Cup in 1967 yeah. because is it a... Is it a cup? I know it's a cup in the title, but is it a cup in the traditional sense? Is it a major cup when, when you were invited and it was only two associations? It was it was a forerunner of the World Club Cup. So if you don't count that, it's exactly 200. If you do count it, it's 202 and they were already at 200, um, which is less sexy than having just reached the 200. <laughs> um, but I broke it all down there anyway in a wee, um, in a wee, uh, in a wee newsletter. It's on the website, so have a wee read of that. I agree with 420 somewhere. So I'm <laughs> once again, boy, love us that. It does indeed. It does indeed. But no, I, uh, yeah, it's on the newsletter. You can have a read at that, guys. I also did the piece on Kyogo yesterday. You can have a read at that as well. That's been up on the site since yesterday. They kind of yep. look at the League Cup final king. As we're King of the League Cup, yep. 
King of the League Cup yep uh, and the man that Callum McGregor called a superstar mm. which I thought might have put Jota's nose out of joint but uh, <laughs> Jota seems to be alright he's doing alright but yeah I mean it's uh, I think uh, the Celtic supporters are just in a happy mood Sean mm-hmm. there was so much riding on, on Sunday and I think uh, now this will serve them well for the re- remainder of the season and the remainder of the games as they tick down to hopefully a second consecutive league championship and dare we mention the T word the treble uh, long way to go before any of that's sorted out but one thing's for certain they'll be back at it today because the manager told them <laughs> they'll enjoy the they'll enjoy uh, the celebrations of the cup final I think they did a day off yesterday and then he's going to ask them to go again so from today they'll be asked to go again uh-huh. they, they, as he said those three words they never stop so I like that attitude, Sean, that the guys yeah. will be back at training in whatever shape, burning off those hangovers <laughs> today. Yep. Uh, plenty of plenty of comments to that effect, to be honest with you. I'm not going to put all <laughs> Sorry, did I throw sorry, you throw there? You froze there, you froze, sorry, what did you say? No, I just said there's plenty of comments to that effect, but I'm not going to throw them all up. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to say, call it the Kyogo Cup. Well, we spoke about that yesterday, didn't we? That uh, Aidan said he wanted them to be called the Kyogo Finals, didn't he? That was his kind of reference point. <laughs> Scott McGill, we are all as rough as tossed. There you go. Eh? <laughs> uh, and then Michael Duffin, love what articles, as you remember things that sometimes you, you forget. That's very kind. Thanks very much. We appreciate that. But yeah, I think uh, uh, Beach Boys coming in. Grey strip for some Can't wait to win on it. Belter of a strip. <laughs> Would you go with the grey again, Sean, at some Just to exercise that demon, I think. Aye, you might. Why not? Well, why would not? you exercise that ghost, would you? Uh, and Curtis coming in and saying, and shouting Kyogo full time for a cuddle. What a couple. I did see that. He didn't, he didn't lift him into the air like he's son as he did last year but he did kiss him in the head didn't he as he as he said something to him and he, he kind of let him go and join his rest of his teammates I did notice that clip to be fair I thought it was excellent you know so and uh, Philip Allery comes in with a fair point what are the rules around fireworks inside the stadium looked a bit of a worry Phil I don't think there was any rules uh, in the stadium because there was some amount of pyrotechnics shall we say Shawnee Yep, uh, Scott McGill, well worth a subscription. Thank you very much, Scott. Appreciate that. Absolutely kind. Appreciate that. And David Ferguson, hallelujah. I'll get to wear my grey shirt again. <laughs> <laughs> and Brown Warrior coming in saying, watching Aaron Moy soaking up, you'll never walk alone behind Joe Hart during his interview was special. Yeah, I think uh, the celebrations were great. And Joe Hart particularly went a bit radio rental, as they would say. Yeah, I, I don't know. Was it maybe in replicating his opposite numbers moment of frustration during the game, um, potentially? What, when he booted the ball into the Celtic support? I mean, not, not, not to focus too much on that, but he should have been booked for that, surely. <laughs> but, Do you think so? Aye, yeah. McGregor. Aye. <laughs> Neil Reid says Joe Hart's post-match interview was great. It was actually very good because he just pointed, didn't he, and said, look, look at that, listen to that, it's special. And Plunge McNugget come in and saying 
wear the hoops on Sunday. But there you go. And John McGlinchey is saying here, when Ange finally retires, I think he will look back each time with Celtic as his finest and most special job in management, a club like no other. They all well, do, is what I would say. They all do. <laughs> or they all should do. Let's put it that way. It works out like that for some, but maybe not so much others. But there you go. Well, Sean, that's been 40 minutes of still basking in the glory of uh, the other mob winning the first trophy of the season and uh, being the only ones that can win a domestic treble. But somebody said to me, one game at a time, you know, my thoughts on that. We do take it one game at a time. Here's Jamie coming in. Sean, he agrees with you. That was a booking 100%. There you go. Yeah, well, it's, he got away with it, didn't he? But uh, he still ended up on the losing side, I guess. Vince, a dish, a dish best self called Scott McGill. Scott McGill's got a lot to say for himself today, Sean. Great show, lads. Feel great to be there. <laughs> That's very kind, Scott. Appreciate it. But as we say every day, I'll just direct you to the ticker tape running along the bottom. You can help us all out subscribing to the Celtic Way and support top quality journalism covering the club you love. And it will cost you £2 for two months of unlimited access to everything that we do on the website. Sean's flicked up a few uh, articles today. There's something there for everybody. You'll enjoy it, especially Stuart Ross's Hatati Masterclass, Sean. We call it that. For the click of a button. I think it is, yeah, I think it fits the mould of a Masterclass, Tony, do you know? Yes, indeed. www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. We appreciate it. We appreciate the... You coming in in the comments and adding your, your own thoughts. We like to bounce off them. And we couldn't do it without you. So thank you for your subscription. We we genuinely appreciate it. And thanks for tuning in and watching. Because as I say, we love the interaction. We like a good laugh as well. And we're all smiling. We're all happy bunnies because we won the first trophy of the season. Here's hoping, as Alistair Johnson says, it's the first of many. And we also say thank you to Seneca. Seneca. Celtic Way isn't. Sorry, the Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group and Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe and they offer innovative hair restoration treatments and you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. Hope you've enjoyed today. Tomorrow might be the hard one, Shawnee, the midweek in our no man's land limbo. What do we talk about? But we never run out of things to talk about. We talk about Celtic, don't we? And if not, We'll just get Sean to make up some stat and we'll just talk about that for half an hour. <laughs> right, fella? That's it. That's it. <laughs> or, I'll, or I'll write some rubbish and we'll talk about that. that <laughs> right, that's, that's, that's the way it works. Guys, thank you. Thank you very much. As I say, have a terrific Tuesday. Hopefully see you for a wonderful Wednesday. Take care. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, guys. <laughs>